Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, again today to Acts chapter 3. I started this last, well, two weeks ago. Last week, of course, we had a guest speaker here. Uh, Keith Hershey was here. Oh, he was so blessed uh, to be with us. He wrote us a, a, a nice note and just, you know, told us how blessed he was to be in the service. And he wanted us to thank, wanted me to thank you for your generosity that you showed toward him and the offering. He was just overwhelmed by the love that came from this congregation. And we so appreciate that. Praise the Lord. So we had a good time with, with Reverend Hershey last week, but the week before, I started uh, ministering from the third chapter of the book of Acts, and I didn't get very far that day because I started, the Holy Ghost moved in the service in a different way that morning, and the glory of God, and, and we just, you know, we're going we're gonna to flow with the Holy Spirit around here. And if he wants to interrupt the ministry of the Word and do some other ministry of the Spirit, we can do that because we can always come back to this. Amen. So we want to honor God and let the spirit of God have his way in our services. And so uh, 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 that Sunday, two weeks ago, I I had just a short time to minister. So I had to kind of do my introduction and then cut to the summary. Uh, And then uh, I want to come in and fill in the, the middle part today. Amen. In Acts chapter 3, we were looking at, I won't go through all the verses, and I'm not going to be able to say everything that I said last time. There's some things I'm going to skip over, and it will help you if you weren't here two weeks ago to hear the first part of this. It will help you a lot to go back, and uh, you can go to our website, of course, and, and, uh, and listen there, and you can listen to Sunday two weeks ago, and I will build on this today. Amen? In the third chapter of Acts uh, In verse number 19, he says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. I want to point your attention to two things and I, I, I focused on the first part last week and just barely touched on the second one. But the first one is times of refreshing. And the second one is times of restoration. And so we're gonna talk primarily about times of restoration today, but let's go back and just, and just hit one thing that I don't think I emphasized the way I, I wanted to. It, it kind of... You know, a lot of times when I minister, I'll get revelation while, I, while I'm teaching. And I'll, and I'll see something in a way to, to share something. And, and it's kind of new to me. It's a new thing that the Lord just kind of shows me, just kind of enlightens me in that, enlightens me at that moment. And sometimes I don't really cover it as much as I'd like to. And I go back and think about it. I say, wow, that was really good. I could say a whole lot more about that. But we pointed out that times of refreshing. Notice it doesn't say a time of refreshing. It says times of refreshing. God wants to continually refresh the church. And as we've talked about a lot lately, we in our congregation, in our church, all of these years, we have been blessed with times of refreshing. Oh, I mean, we've, my, my, you know, you know, my wife and I, we've been pastoring this church for, we're in our 42nd year. And God has been faithful. There have been so many amazing services and amazing moves of the spirit. And God has refreshed us so many times and and we're grateful for that. But it just seems like in the last few months, if, if you don't recognize what, what has been going on here in the last few months, you're just, you need to wake up because there we are, we are in a season of refreshing right now in our church. I'm talking about in this church, a time of refreshing has come to us. How many of you have, have enjoyed? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. A time of refreshing. But here's the thing that, that, that came to me last week, and, and I just briefly mentioned it. Times of refreshing make, he says in verse number 19, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of God 
that has brought these times of refreshing. I'm telling you, the presence of God has been so strong in our services lately. I mean, just we've always had times, but, but, but here lately it's been more consistent. That's where the refreshing comes from. The refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. That's why we need to always honor and, and respect the presence of God. Give God the opportunity to manifest his presence. Let him do what he wants to do among us. I can set aside anything I have planned for today if the presence of God moves in a different way. He can do what he wants to. And when his, when his presence is in manifestation, I'm telling you, answers come out of that. Refreshing comes out of that. Miracles come out of that. Deliverance comes out of that. Amen. Thank God for the presence. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for the refreshing that has come from your presence, O oh Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we talked about that last week, the times of refreshing. And then we touched over on the times of restoration. It was funny, uh, I say last week, two weeks ago, I mentioned uh, times of restoration. There have been many times of restoration in the church age. And I talked about, you know, Martin Luther and the Reformation and other, other times of restoration, how truth has been restored to the church. Because uh, in the, in the mid, uh, uh, Middle Ages, a lot of truth was lost to the church. The Bible was locked away. People couldn't read it. It wasn't even available. And, and the church suffered, went into decline. But beginning with the Reformation and then, and then in that you know, year since then, the Lord has been restoring truth, revelation, and understanding to this generation. Amen? Interesting, uh, two weeks ago when, when I talked about the Reformation, we got out of church that Sunday. It was, it was October the 31st. And Angela said, do you realize that Sunday is, ref- this was Sunday, this today was Reformation Sunday? And I said, no, I didn't, re- I didn't even realize that. I'm not much for, you know, for following high church, you know, uh, days and, and, and so forth. And I, I wasn't even aware of it, but it was just a little over 500 years ago, two weeks ago, that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the, to the wall of that, of that church in, in uh, where it was, Wittenberg or someplace like that. And so, so that was, that was just interesting, but there are times of restoration. God is wanting to restore the church. We'll restore it to what? What does that mean? Go with me, if you would, to, uh, Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians chapter five. In verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives. All the wives said, amen. Amen. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now notice that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, that he might present the church to himself a glorious church. God wants a glorious church. What is a glorious church? A glorious church is a church that's full of glory, full of God's glory. God wants his temple to be full of glory. Now, if you know anything about the history of the temple, uh, there was a precursor to that, the tabernacle of witness in the Old Testament that Moses had built in his day. But then we come over into when the land was settled and the the children of Israel were settled, uh, David, the King David wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build a permanent thing. But because he was a man of war, God wouldn't let him do it, but he allowed his son to do it. So Solomon built a temple. And when the temple was dedicated, you all know the story. 
When the temple was dedicated, all of the singers and all of the, uh, 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 those who played instruments and all of the priests, they were all there and they came in and they dedicated the temple and it says that the glory of God filled the house of God. I always like to use the phrase the house of God because, because in the Old Testament, the word temple, really, literally, it came from a word which meant house, but it wasn't an ordinary house. It was a word for a magnificent house. The temple was a mag, the magnificent house of God. And in, in, in the New Testament, we find out that God really never intended. That was, that was just temporary. That was a temporary place. God filled the temple in the Old Testament Solomon's temple for one reason as a type and a shadow of what we have today. Amen. He filled that temple with his glory. And God has always designed that the temple of God be full of glory. Now we know, like I said from Acts chapter 7, that God really doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. He dwells in us. Let's look at some verses to kind of bring out a little bit of this. Uh, Go with me to 1 Corinthians 3. This again is a a very familiar scripture. We're just going to read it and make note of it because we've ministered on this a lot. We don't need to go into it a lot. But just to refresh your memory, in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 3, verse number 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God. That's talking about the whole church. That you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, that's talking about the whole body of Christ universally, but it's also talking about the local church. He's saying that the Holy Spirit dwells in the temple of the local church. Each and every local congregation is a house of God. Not talking about brick and mortar. Not talking about the physical building. I'm talking about the building that is made when we are called together in one body, in one place. We become a living temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in us collectively. Now we know because we're individually born of the Spirit, we've been born again, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, he's indwelling this. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he dwells there, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about dwelling in us collectively. That's, 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 a, uh, that's a unique way in which the Spirit dwells that we need to be more aware of. The Holy Spirit doesn't just indwell in all of us individually and all of us individually come in together as individual temples. When we come in, we collectively become one temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And it's the desire of God to fill this temple with his glory every time we come together. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our services will be the same. But every service ought to be ought to have that that uh, that reality of the power and the glory of God. That's the will of God. Amen. So we read this. We've read this verse before. Let's go over to Haggai. I, I talked about this a little bit on Monday night, uh, last Monday night when we met for prayer, and uh, I want to turn and 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 have all of you read this. Haggai, and let's look at chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2 says, In the seventh month, beginning in the first verse, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of, of Judah, and, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Now, let me back up and give a little history. I think this would be helpful. Haggai was writing to the people because the children of Israel had returned from Babylonian captivity. They were resettling the land. And the temple had been destroyed that Solomon built. And it was laying in ruins. So when they started resettling back in the land of Israel after 70 years in exile, 
The commandment came out to rebuild the temple. But at the time, they had been, I, I don't know, maybe 15 years or something like that. They had been back in, in, in the land at the time of, of Haggai. And the people had stopped working on the temple. They weren't doing anything with it. They just weren't following the command of the Lord. And, and I think it'd be good back to, to go back and, and uh, go back to the first chapter. And let's look at a couple of things. This will help us, I think. In, in chapter 1. Says uh, verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, "This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built." Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, "Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and the temple to lie in ruins?" Therefore, verse five. Thus says the Lord of hosts, "Consider your ways." You know, I think there's a there's a lesson for us here today. The things of God ought to be first. Yes, God wants us to have good things. He wants us to have rich and full lives. Yes, he wants to provide for us. He's not opposed to, of any, to, he's not opposed to any of those things. In fact, he's for us. But the things of God ought to be first before everything else. And sometimes people get caught up, believers today get caught up with their own natural lives to such an extent that they slack off with the things of God. Their their priorities get out of balance. And this is what he was telling them. He said, is it time for you to look to your own things and not to look first to the things of God? That's a good lesson for us. Amen. Then going over to verse number seven, again, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple. Now notice that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. God takes pleasure in his temple. He is glorified in his temple. And today we are the temple of God. God takes pleasure in us He takes pleasure in dwelling among us. He's glorified when he is allowed to have free reign among us. That's what glorifies God. That's what glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Well, we ought, to, we ought to pay attention to that. Yes, God, again, God wants us to have what, we, what is provided for us and what belongs to us in our covenant rights, but his things must be first. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go back over, just a little background. Let's go back over to chapter two again. He said, speak now to Zerubbabel, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, now notice what he said. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? He's talking about Solomon's temple. And how do you see it now? In comparison, in comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? He said there was something in Solomon's temple that, that was incomparable to what you have today. The reason for that, even, even though God's plan is to, is to take pleasure in his temple and be glorified in his temple, God's presence, his glory dwelt in Solomon's temple. It never dwelt in Zerubbabel's temple. It never happened. The glory of God, the temple they were building that he instructed them to build, his glory never dwelled in it. God's glory never dwelt in, in Herod's temple. Herod's temple was a, was a uh, Zerubbabel's temple, fell into, into disrepair. Herod came in and uh, he rebuilt sort of the, the uh, Zerubbabel's temple, enlarged it and made it an, a magnificent edifice. It covered something like 40 acres and it was opulent. It was, it, he, uh, Herod called on uh, the, the finest craftsmen and, and so forth in all of, of, of Rome to come in and build this temple. It was a magnificent place, but God's glory was never there. 
You ever notice Jesus didn't spend a lot of time in the temple? He spent time in the synagogues. The temple in Jesus' time did not have the glory of God in it. God was looking for something else. Jesus said, they asked him to show them a sign that he was of God. He said, okay. He said, I'll give you a sign. Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, this temple was over 40 years being constructed. You're going to raise it up in three days? And it said, but this he spoke of his body. The temple of his body. We are the body of... Now, it was referring to his physical body, of course. And in three days it was raised up. But we've become the body of Christ. It was... God's presence dwelt in Solomon's temple as an example and as a type and a shadow of what he would do later. Now, there's coming another temple. During the tribulation, Israel will rebuild their temple and they'll probably start just a little before and they might have already started on it. We don't know. But there's gonna be a temple erected during the tribulation. God's glory is not gonna be in it. God's glory is not gonna be in it. But when the millennial reign of Christ comes, Oh, glory to God. When he comes back and sets up his reign on this earth, there's going to be a magnificent temple and Jesus is the holy temple himself and we are the body of Christ and it's going to be one big glorious affair of the house of the living God. Oh, glory to God. But we have that now. We're the temple of God now. His glory dwells in us now. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Let me go back over here to uh, Haggai again. Let's see if there's something else we want to cover. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's keep on reading. He said, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, It is a little while. Now, it might have looked like a long while. History might have indicated that it was centuries that went by. Oh, but glory to God. In God's eyes, it was a little while. God was looking to the future. He said, it's a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. He's talking about the temple during that day. He said, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple. He wasn't talking about Zerubbabel's temple. He said, the glory of this latter temple. He had jumped ahead in time. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And then in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let me just take a look at another passage, see if I want to go this way. Glory to God. Bear with me just a moment. Hallelujah. Well, let's let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Verse 25 says... Hebrews 12, 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. I hear pages, let everybody get there. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying yet once more, I shake not only earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. I tell you what, God is shaking the church right now. I said God is shaking things right now. He's shaking the earth. He's shaking the nations. And there's a shaking going on in the church. 
And the things that are of man, the things that are made are natural things. The things that come from the nature of man, the ability of man, the pride of man, the accomplishments of man. So I'm shaking all that out. So that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by, way, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Today, God is shaking some things because we're, we're coming up on the return of the Lord, church. I said, we're coming up on the return of the Lord. And, and we are, we've already read over in Ephesians chapter 5 that he's coming for a church, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, you might look at yourself and begin to tremble and say, I, I, I don't know. I, can I measure up? I don't know if I'm up to this. Well, notice what he said here. Let us have grace. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Listen, you can't get into bondage over serving God. You can't get into fear of of, of trying to measure up. God makes you measure up. All you have to do is show reverence and, and yield to his grace in your life. If you yield to the grace of God, the grace of God will make you what you'd never make yourself. It'll help you to be what you'd never be able to be on your own. He said, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, ooh, glory, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, now he, he warms us up and comforts us, and then he scares us again. <laughs> our God is a consuming fire. He is, you know. I said, he is. That's why, that's why you know, I, I've mentioned this in the last year, never preached this before in my entire life, but in that, because I just saw it about this time last year. I never noticed that when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he said, behold, the son of God. Behold, this is, he said, there's one coming after me and and he's among us and he is one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now in John's gospel, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When you ask, I didn't, if you had asked me before last year, what was it that, that John emphasized about Jesus? I'd have said, he declared, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the only thing I would have said. That's recorded in one passage, in, the, in, in all four passages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he says, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so it struck me all of a sudden, I'd never seen that before, that, Jesus, that, that John the Baptist said two things about Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world and he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus came to do two things. He came to do two things. He came to take away the sins of the world and he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. But notice, it's the Holy Spirit and fire. I think that that concept of our God being an all-consuming fire has has been left out of the church in modern times. We thought God was a carnival operator. I mean, the way some people acted. That God's just real light and frivolous and we can just, he can just be anything we want him to be. No, that's not true. Our God is a holy God. He is a holy God. Let's go back over to uh, Ephesians again. Ephesians chapter five. And he is a consuming fire. And if we're going to be, if we're going to be the church he wants us to be, we're going to have to get close enough to that fire. We're going to have to get close enough to that fire till some things get burnt out of us that ought not be there. Now, don't get into fear. Remember, you do it by grace. It's by grace that we will serve God. Amen. Acceptably. But we have to honor that fire. Amen. 
Notice in Ephesians chapter 5 here, he says that he might present the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that we should be holy and without blemish. Holiness unto the Lord is not out of fashion. It's not, it may be with man, but it's not with God. God is still a holy God. And, God, and Jesus, the man of grace, the man of mercy, the man who sat with sinners and welcomed those who were downtrodden, said, be perfect like your Father who is in heaven. Be ye holy like he's holy. That's what God's doing today. Amen. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to cover this real quickly because I'm kind of out of time. I said this, that Jesus came for two reasons. And this is really where I'm going with this. And so I'm going to have to spill over to next week probably. The Lord showed me last year. Just, it, just, it was just revelation to me. Maybe it wasn't to you, but it was to me. That John said two things about Jesus. He came for two reasons. Number one, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Number two, to baptize with the Holy Spirit and power. But what is the purpose of the baptism with the Holy Spirit and power? There's one word. You all know what it is. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power? One word. Say it aloud. Witness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses. What's the purpose of witnessing? To introduce people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He would take away our sins, then fill us with the Holy Spirit so we could be witnesses to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Bible says that John the Baptist came as a witness. To the people of his generation. In fact, the Old Testament tabernacle was called the tabernacle of witness. God has always been about witness. Now, don't be afraid of the word witness. Don't be afraid of the word witnessing. That's what really strikes fear in the heart of a lot of Christians. Because we've been taught for so long that you gotta be a, you gotta go out and witness. And usually that means you gotta go find people that you don't know, that you never met before, and you're not even sure if they like you, and they might hate God, and you somehow to turn a conversation around and try to talk to them about Jesus, and it makes you weak in the knees, and your throat gets dry, and your palms get sweaty. That's, that's, there's, there's that part. But being a witness for God involves our life. Our lifestyle. See, and this is what I was talking about last week. I'll get back to the conclusion. Don't miss out on what God's doing. Oh, glory to God. Lord, I can't just skip over all of this. Have you got a minute? You give me an extra minute this morning? How many of you give you, how many of you give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. I, I, we can do this. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Go with me over to, to, to uh, uh, Go to the 12th chapter of Mark. Have you got your shopping shoes on today? Yeah. Go to Mark chapter 12. I think it's, is that right? Hallelujah. Yeah. In Mark chapter 12, we have the parable of the wicked vine dressers. And Jesus told the parable about a man planted a vineyard, set a hedge in it, dug a place and so forth, and leased it to vine dressers and then went to a far country. Uh, now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruits of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant. And they, sent, and they threw stones at him, wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully treated. Then again, he sent another and they killed uh, him they killed and many others beating some and, and killing some. He's talking about the prophets of the Old Testament that God kept sending to the children of Israel. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them saying, at last saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. We know that's Jesus, right? Then he says, therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? 
he will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Church, that's us. He will give the vineyard, the vineyard to others. Have you, now notice this. Have you not even read this scripture? The stones which the, the stone, rather not plural, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now we know this is talking about Jesus. We read that in 1 Peter, isn't that right? The, stones which the, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in our eyes. Now he's quoting here from the 118th Psalm, but he doesn't, he doesn't quote all of it. Go over to the 118th Psalm with me real quick. Psalm 118 Better get those shouting shoes on, I'm telling you. If you can't shout about this, you shouldn't be shouting about anything. Verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, hallelujah. See, we, I don't, how many of you old, how many old time charismatics do we have in here today? You're around in the charismatic movement. You remember that song we used to sing? This is the day, this is, we do that little hop, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. We were always singing it about Sunday. Our Monday, we get up on Monday morning. Ooh, this is the day. Monday is the day. This is the day. The Lord made this day. He's not talking about Monday. I saw what this, this scripture's not talking about Sunday. It's not talking about Monday. It's not talking about Tuesday. It's not talking about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. It's talking about the day of the church. This is the day which the Lord has made. The day of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is marvelous. It should be marvelous in our eyes. Glory to God. God has raised up this day in which we live and he has been restoring the church to this day. He is restoring the church to become, the, the church lost the glory in those early centuries, the middle centuries. Lost the glory. Religious tradition unbelief, other things entered in. God began to raise up people. They began to restore truth to the church. It's been an ongoing process and God's been bringing us up and he's brought us up to this day. Oh, glory to God. It's marvelous. It's marvelous in our eyes what God's doing. Hallelujah. He's restoring the church in his glory. But what's that, what's that glory for? What, what, what's, the, what's the reason for the power? What's the, the reason for the fullness of the spirit? That we might be witnesses among men. In Acts chapter, I've said this many times, in Acts chapter one, it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Don't focus on doing witnessing. Focus on being a witness. How are you, suppo- you going to be a witness? With that glory. God wants to fill us with, our, with his glory so that we go out from our times of assembling together and there's such the presence of God is so real among us. His glory is so magnificent upon It changes us. We go out with a glow on our face. We go out with the fire of God in our life. He is a consuming fire. We go out and all of the dross and all of the sin and all the compromise is burned out of our life and we're holy and we're serving him acceptably with fear, honor, glory to God. They had that in the early church. That's what they had. That's what made them so compelling. That's what made their witness so compelling. They were full of reverential, reverential fear. Said when that, that, that in the, in, I think it was the second or third chapter, Earlier in the third chapter, great signs and wonders were done by the, by the apostles and great fear came upon them all. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? There was sin tried to get in the church and God took, a, uh, took, uh, took that out. 
Judgment came. And it says great fear filled the church and all those who heard. That wasn't a, that wasn't a scaredness. It was a reverential fear of God. There was a holy awe of God's power, of his holiness, of who his was, of who he was. And it, and it filled that church with such glory that multitudes came to Christ everywhere they went. You don't really read about the individual believer just going out and sharing Christ, but of course they did. But the point was the glory of God, the fear of God was so upon them that everywhere they went, the people were just drawn to that fire. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So last week I closed with this. I'll close with this again today. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on this day. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad in it. Let us take advantage of it. Let us yield to it. Let us conform our lives to this glory. Let us honor the glory of God. Let us draw on the presence of God. Every time we assemble together, let us come in and, and be aware that God, we're not, just having, we're not just having ordinary church. We're having an opportunity where God can come in and fill us again and afresh. And we never get tired of it. We never get, it never gets old. It never gets, becomes commonplace. Oh, glory to God. I want us to have such an awareness around here. Every time we come together that this isn't about our paneled houses. This isn't about the things outside. This is about the holiness of God. This is about the glory of God. This is about the presence of God. This is about being changed in God's presence. So that when we go out there, we have something in us and on us. That's discernible to people around us. Oh, glory to God. Don't sit back and miss out. Don't think you, don't, you can't measure up. Don't think you won't be able to, 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 to uh, achieve a certain level. Uh, maybe you look around and say, well, you know, there's Sister Holiness over there and she's got such a deep walk with God. I'll never be like that. Stop that thinking. And know that, it's, that, that what God has, he has for you. He created you. He put you in this church. He, I'm talking about in the body of Christ and in this local church. He put you here for this day. Your spirit came from God. And he put that eternal spirit in your body in these days. In this time. In this world. In this place, to bring honor and glory to him, you can all do it. Every one of you can be filled with the glory of God. Every one of you can be so full of the Holy Ghost that you become a magnet everywhere you go. You you might be tongue-tied and bashful and shy. God will use you. Humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, you, you know my... You know my temperament. You know my hang-ups. You know the natural things. God will say, my grace upon you and in you and my spirit in you will, will just absolutely overshadow all of that. Glory to God. God will make somebody out of you that, that people will love to be around. And somebody, God will make someone out of you that will draw people to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Don't miss out, church. Don't miss out. This is our time. This is our day. This is your day. Come into our services hungry. Come in and get filled to overflowing. And let us go out and be a representative of the Lamb of God. Let us go out and be a representative of the healer, of the miracle worker. Let our lives be examples of change and deliverance. I've said it for a long, long time. The best witnessing tool you have is your testimony of deliverance. Jesus told the madman of Gadara, he said, go back to your friends and relatives and tell them what great things God has done for you.
There's nothing, any, there's nothing any more powerful in your life than what God has done for you. If, you, if, if you're aware of what God's done, if you never think about what he's done, if you go through your day and you're not appreciative and you go through a week and a month and you're just not thankful and you don't, and you don't really uh, uh, reflect on what God's done for you, you won't have a witness. You won't have anything to tell anybody. But if you'll keep yourself stirred up and keep your heart tender, keep reminding yourself and being thankful, God will will remind you and what he's done for you will begin to roll up on the inside of you and it'll change the way you talk to people. It'll make you beautiful, attractive, desirable because there's somebody out there in your world who's suffering the things you used to suffer from, who are facing the things you face, and they need deliverance. That The deliverance that God gave you, he'll give to them. Oh, glory to God. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. <laughs> oh, this is the day. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will be glad. We will rejoice in it. It's marvelous. It's a marvelous, marvelous thing in our eyes. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, help us. Glory to God. Stir our hearts, Father. Stir our hearts. Stir our hearts, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us with your glory. Fill us with your glory. Oh, Father, we yield to your presence. We yield to the Spirit of God as he speaks to our hearts, as he's speaking right now to individuals throughout this auditorium, dealing with you dealing with us dealing with each one about things that we can submit to him things that we can give to the Lord that we've never given before things that we didn't think we could ever deal with you can surrender that right now to Jesus give it to God glory to God Let him fill that area of your life. Let him fill that area of your life. Hallelujah. You can trust the Lord. You can, church, you can trust the Lord. You can trust him. You can trust him. Hallelujah. He'll take the empty areas of your life, the fearful areas, the condemned areas of your life and he'll speak grace to it impart grace there and empowerment there enablement there and in the place of that sorrow he'll give you abundance of joy and assurance and where you faced dread and hesitancy you'll have great liberty and freedom And you'll be able to speak freely. Your tongue will be loosed. And the desire of your heart will be realized. And the vision and plan and work of God will flow through you and be carried out. Coming to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I want you to do this. I know it's a little bit, it's a little late, but it's not real late. I want you just to come come down here. Just gather around the front. We're a family. Just gather right right up here close. Just as an act of, of unity and one accord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just as a visible outward demonstration of the fact that we're one people, we're one body. Hallelujah. 
I want us to make this consecration. Glory to God. Just come, come, come. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everyone to say this. Mean it from your heart. Just say, God, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he shed his blood for me. For my sins. I believe he died and was raised from the dead for me. And so today I put all my confidence, all my trust in Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And I thank you today, Father, that I am saved. I am your child. I belong to you. Thank you, Father. I ask you today, Father, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. Restore the anointing. Restore the, uh, your touch in my life. I want your presence in my life. Not just in this place. I want to carry it out when I leave. I want to be a carrier of your presence. I want people around me to feel and be influenced by your presence. I want your glory to touch their lives like you've touched mine. And I'll be the witness that you created me to be. I don't have to be the witness like someone else is. I'll be the witness you've created me to be. I'll be the witness you enable me to be. And I'll serve you acceptably with godly fear. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.